Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 314. Here's the crime, Doctor. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm well. I am also well. That is good. You guys do anything fun this week? Not a, a good week? Not a darn thing. I honestly can't remember anything exciting I did this week or watched or anything. I've been watching a lot of episodes of Tabletop, Will Wheaton's show on YouTube on Geek and Sundry. And I started watching the one tonight that is the game you were telling us about with the house on Haunted Hill. It's... Oh, and I can't house, on, house on... It's not. It's something... <laughs> betrayal at the betrayal house on the hill. Betrayal at the house on the hill. Yes. Yeah, there's no haunted There's in no haunted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> betrayal at the house on the hill. Yeah, which is... Looks interesting. You you had described it to us a little bit. Uh, I, I felt didn't get all stupid the way it, but. because the, the game has an app that's available. Oh. So that... Because your attributes uh, change as you play the game. You're, you're, you might gain more speed or more stamina or more intelligence or different things happen to you. And the counters they give you are just kind of small. So there's an app that you can download that yeah. Patrick made everybody download. And it's like, what a world we live in where games have... Yeah. It's a board game, <laughs> but it has an app for that. Um, and it doesn't require the app. None of them no. require oh, yeah. the app, yeah. but it's always a helpful aid. Yeah, It just makes it easier to move your counter around and remember where you're at. And if I'd have looked in my phone, I had the name of it. So, <laughs> But I've been watching a lot of tabletop because um, I've been getting some ideas for games. That Now that Mason's at an age where we all four can Ticket play. to ride. Yeah, Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride is so much fun. I, I've played that one before. Uh, there was one on there called um, Love Letters. Which is a bit deceiving by the title, but it's it's a uh, it's a turn-based card game where you have one traitor, so to speak, and it alternates, and you're trying to determine which of the people within the princess's court is having an affair with the princess. That's basically that's the basis of it. And you know, each card has different abilities that gives you different abilities to play. Anyway, it looked really good, and uh, I thought that was kind of something that the four of us could play. But I'm getting a lot of great ideas from it, so cool. Uh, I like it. It's good. I've seen episodes before but this week i just kind of dove in and started watching most everything that's on youtube now did i tell you on the betrayal one as we were playing the first thought that jumped into my head is i want a doctor who version of this oh that seems like it would translate really well somebody get on that and we'll throw money at a kickstarter because (laughs) just as rooms unfold as you're exploring the tardis and then weeping angels show up or something i yeah that would be so cool trapped inside a tardis yeah doesn't have to be the tardis yeah no it could be any tardis and then you can find spare control rooms or you know yeah it sort of reminds me of mystery mansion do you remember that Oh, yeah, that one that we never built the character sheet yeah, for. I think I have the game still somewhere. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. With the furniture. Mm-hmm. And you, you, as, you, as you walk into a room, it reveals the room and you put the pieces in. Oh. Yeah, so then if you walked into the room, you got to decide where the pieces of furniture went. It actually had little plastic piano and a couch oh, and everything. Yeah. So it was interior decorating and then you had to search all the items for the clue to lead you to the next blah blah blah. I think it was electronic too, wasn't it? It had a, a thing that read things off or something. Yeah, we loved that. It, it was, was the stupidest, I don't know, like $10, $5 garage sale game no, or something. No, it wasn't but. even that. <laughs> Toys R Us had it marked way, it's, it, it literally was a $50 game because it's electronics and big pieces oh, yeah. and a huge board. 
And Holly and I saw it at, at uh, Toys R Us clearance for like ten bucks. We we're like, for ten bucks, we could try this out. And we played it. We everybody played it. We loved it. And then I think Sean, you went out and bought one, didn't you too? Yeah, I think Carrie point. got it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, she then, took everything. And, else. I, and in fact, the other couple we played with, I think they ran out and bought one too because at ten bucks, you know, you can yeah. introduce it to anybody. So, huh? It was one of those. It's a blast. Sounds like it. That was it. We been we played Cranium yesterday night or yesterday night last night <laughs> um because mason's finally at a point where it's it's kind of nice to have both kids like at an age categories? where they understand it uh no cranium builds itself as using all parts of your brain two of the boxes are category it's it's a team-based game mm-hmm. two of the boxes of cards are more like logical and spelling uh, academic questions and two of them are creative one's mm-hmm. per- star performer one's creative cat so there will be some instances where you have to sculpt something. It's kind of like Pictionary in that sense. You have to sculpt something uh, your partner has to guess. There's also a drawing element. There's a performance element, a charades element. Hmm. There's also spelling. You have to spell words, but in some instances you have to spell a word backwards. So you might get like reggae, where you have to spell reggae, but you have to spell it backwards. So it's that kind of thing. Huh. So, and it depends on it depends on, the, <laughs> depends on the spot on the board that you land yeah. as to what you get to pick. And then they have the certain obligatory all play where both teams are playing and then there's the obligatory you get to choose you know you land on a certain square and you get to choose i watched uh well we rewatched crouching tiger hidden dragon in preparation for watching crouching tiger hidden dragon 2 on netflix because it's been so long since i saw the first one probably since we saw it in theater together yeah i I think i maybe watched it once on dvd after it came out but then not since then that's the last time i saw it was when we saw it in theater together. it's only been like 16 years um, but we watched the sequel because Mel was kind of a you know oh there's a there's a sequel for I was like yeah let's watch that oh we should watch the first one first so we did a boom boom the second one's good dubbed or subtitled dubbed. okay you're gonna call me out um, <laughs> you watched dubbed I watched yeah. it dubbed normally with a foreign film the first time through I will watch it dubbed I, I want to pay attention to it and not read during it mm-hmm. so i kind of do that and if it's one that i like then i'll go back and watch it subtitled so that i can get all the nuances and all the cool stuff out of it uh, but this one we just watched dubbed and it's it doesn't have the same epic beauty quality that the first one had but it's a really fun japanese sword you know there's ninjas and guys flipping around and insane stunts and wire work and anything you would want out of out of that it just happens to feature some of the same characters and then donnie yen showed up i didn't know he was in that so i was like oh there's where's your stick blind man that was a rogue one reference but it was good so that was really about all we did this week i started watching uh well restarted watching westworld i'm three episodes in now it's really good it's really well constructed i look forward to seeing where it kind of unravels because it almost feels like there's a repilot for the second episode. How far have you watched it, Sean? We are up to, I want to say, episode five or six. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're quite... Did you feel that way? Like there was kind of a repilot a little bit? In a way. Because, like, your first episode, you're following a character, and you think, okay, that's where this is going, and then it doesn't go that direction. And so then the second episode follows more closer to line with the movie of you're following along with a person visiting the park for the first time. So that's where it's kind of like, almost feels like a repilot because you're seeing it again through this new person's eyes. I think it was a calculated move to show what... Two perspectives? The, yeah. yeah. I mean, what... Because what, 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 there's another one later, the whole episode doesn't deal with it, but you kind of get a retread of the first episode mm-hmm. from a different character within the park. Uh. But then you begin to realize 
how things are different on each replay. Oh, yeah, I've already seen the different changes. The, the, the robots are starting to remember things from previous loops, even after they've been wiped. And yeah. so, so they've kind of set that up that you get that da 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 you know familiar beat but then yeah. all of a sudden it's different yeah. but because they showed you three times previous you're like oh so yeah <laughs> yeah i'm already starting to notice some of that so yeah it's really good it's a really good show you need to start watching if you're not okay <laughs> i'd like to Crichton's westworld a lot so kill, kill the robots man <laughs> and ed harris is in it and i didn't know he was in it i didn't know uh well gina Terliz- or terlizzi no Gina Torres made an made an appearance. I didn't know she even had even a small role. <laughs> I don't remember Gina Torres showing up. Yeah, she was uh, what's his face's wife on the video monitor. Oh yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. I always just like seeing her show up some random places, you know, kind of like Alan Tudyk. <laughs> I saw the trailer for that new uh, Gotham Tech one. Powerless. And, yeah, I'm, but kind of on board with this. I think. <laughs> They've change things a bit from when they originally started it so i don't know how good it's gonna i'm be. gonna give it a try but if it weren't for alan tujic and danny pudi what'd you think of uh kubo you checked oh my it on god Facebook, i, I did i forgot to watch that too <laughs> i knew there was another one that you had seen that i wanted to talk to you about um probably the second best film of the year behind arrival it is un oh it's beautiful <laughs> and it's glorious and it's a good story and it's got great characters and everything you would want and the fact that it is the stop motion and and the lengths to which they go the scope of the story oh, huge. I, I I have nothing but respect for uh, stop motion animators because I would go nuts and go postal before the end of one day i think <laughs> just moving this stuff and you have to have a, a love for that and it shows every oh, single yeah. frame that they put into this is, is it, it's just a beautiful true tragedy that it, it has not gotten more recognition like those who have seen it absolutely love it yeah and just it just didn't get enough widespread appeal and enough people to see it Unfortunately, I think it's going to become a huge cult classic. I still I feel stupid for leading with Crouching Tiger now. Uh, <laughs> no, it was because um, we made that joke actually that we're well, we're doing samurai movies this week. Or just, <laughs> um, that kind of fits. Yeah. Uh, we also made a big announcement on Facebook. I say you had some other things you did this week, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah. Well, more of announced things this week. Uh, Sarah and I are expecting a child. Yay! Come July. Congratulations. Thank you. That's us officially congratulating you on Facebook, though, because we are in the know. We knew before you announced That's it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, due in July, and it's going to be a little girl. So it's very, we're very excited. And everyone, uh, the moms are already planning the baby shower and are very excited about it. And it's kind of scary, but, you know, it'll be good. She'll do will, fine. She will be the first granddaughter for both sides of the family, and then the first grandchild for my side. So it's kind of a big deal for everybody. Everyone's <laughs> really excited about the whole situation. Gonna be spoiled. Oh, yes. <laughs> Middle name Vortex? Well, Is that a possibility we're throwing out? Or? Gotta stick with the A theme. A theme. Sarah and I both have A middle names. We gave Cody an A middle name. Ah. So now we got to stick with the A theme. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> Somewhere there's a Doctor Who A name. I'm sure there is. <laughs> I ought to go look it up more. Adric. Does that work for a girl? Why not? 
How about no, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> like we told uh, Adam. Astrid. Oh, Astrid. Astrid. I like yeah. Astrid. Alistair. I, if it was going to be boy, I was going to push for Alistair. Come on. Quit being gender specific here. <laughs> Non-binary. Astrid is TARDIS. It's true. You know. <laughs> we told our friend Blake, Top City Batman. And uh, he was like, you know, Blake's a girl's name, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. This is going to be so much fun to corrupt this one. <laughs> yes, she will be very smart. Amy. Already trying How to could you guys it. not think of A names from Doctor Who? Oh, we did think of Amelia. Amy. We did think of Amelia. <laughs> we had toyed with Amelia being the first name, but we, we think we found something else we like. So. But we didn't want to have two A, A-A-M. So... Amelia. <laughs> Surely there's a Doctor Who name that starts with A. Surely somewhere. <laughs> I was stuck on Romanda Valatorunda. <laughs> he was trying to think he's something sci-fi Doctor yeah. Princess Astra. <laughs> I like Astrid better, but... A shield? Yeah, see, there's several. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the problem is the first name we've chosen. Adam? We don't want necessarily. But no, Scott. It ends in a certain syllable, and we don't want the middle name to end in the same syllable. Oh, okay. So. So it can't that, be A. That makes it. No, it can. <laughs> it can't end in an A. Oh. Which makes it really hard. We, we think we might have found one, but well, we got plenty of time to figure that out. Well. July. <laughs> Less than six months. Yeah. This you, week, she's 16 weeks along. You don't have that much time. I don't have that much. Well, I have some time. You have some time. Six months is quite a while. Mm. I know it will be here before I know it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it will. Guess I better get the spare room ready. Poor Cody's going to lose his bed. Oh. That's okay. We'll move it upstairs. He doesn't need a whole twin bed to himself, right? <laughs> You tell yourself that. You, I'd like to be there. You would say otherwise. When you go to have that discussion with him, bring chicken. <laughs> yeah, or some kind of treat. Maybe leave a trail of it up the stairs. <laughs> uh, we'll get a dog bed for him for the spare room so that he can have a, a bed in there with, with the baby. That's awesome. Yeah, we're very excited. How's Sarah doing? She's doing good. Not a lot of morning sickness so far, knock on wood. Uh, been pretty, pretty easy. We've heard the heartbeat a couple times. Seen her picture once. We're gonna we do the scan slash sonogram uh, end of next month, so we'll get to really see her good then. The only reason we know the the sex because that's normally when you find out the gender is during that scan. But we got a blood test done to check for other things, and they were looking at chromosomes so they could tell us. It's amazing what science can do. Now is that reliable? Yeah, more reliable than the scan actually. No. Because the scan relies on where the baby's positioned. So, if you can be tucked up in a ball and not see things, that... These days, it's hard to mistake DNA, so... Yeah, when you look at chromosomes, it's pretty cut and dry. Amidala. Oh, that ends in an A. Never mind. <laughs> well, Doctor it's Who. also not Doctor Who. <laughs> no. Okay. You, you, you have another life. That's that true. You... Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> Zira. I, was, I was originally what Zira. Yeah, that's what I was originally pushing. <laughs> or Cornelius, if it was gonna be a boy, you know. <laughs> I thought Caesar would be a little heavy handed, but I don't know if you could do Cornelius. <laughs> that that's that's a rough one to saddle a kid well, with. <laughs> about River or Kaylee. 
River's good. Then you got a twofer on River. It's, it's true. Roderick was one I would really wanted to do. Because that's Roddy's real name. And Roderick McDowell. Yeah. Roderick Miles sounds like a good... Posh. <laughs> a good proper name. That's too far down the road at this point. Well, we'll keep that as a backup. Yeah. yeah. Again, so, congratulations thank to you, you guys. Thank you. That's about all I did this week. <laughs> that's why. That's part of also why, uh, for the last several weeks, what I've done this week has been quite less because you know it's a lot more of let's go out and look at baby clothes or let's go out and look at this. Mm-hmm. And until you announce, you can't say anything. <laughs> it doesn't change. No, I, I don't expect it to. Hey, at least now when Sarah wants to go shopping, I have things to go look at. Because <laughs> normally, if we go to the mall, it's like, is there anywhere you want to go? Nope. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> <laughs> there are no my stores. Now at least I can go into uh, Children's Palace or some of the other baby stores and look at clothes. Well, there's no news this week that we saw. Doctor Who's still not on. Missing episodes still not found. <laughs> well. That, that has nothing been confirmed. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> confirmed. Let's put it that way. Any feedback, Keith? No feedback. No you, feedback. Uh, a reminder, you can send it to us on our website. Click on the Send Us Feedback tab or send it to feedback at trevinthevortex.com. Uh, if you go to our website, you can see those pictures that Chrissy and Holly sent us of their hoo haul. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, those are on there. So. Or you could go to the window and yell really loud. We might not get it. But you could try. And if we do hear you, there's no promises we'll remember what you said. <laughs> what window? Any window. In their house? Yeah. Uh, Just go to the window and yell. Or well, as you're driving down the street, out the car window. Annoy your neighbors. <laughs> Don't encourage that. That might be the way people start sending feedback to us. We won't get anything to read. Maybe that's how they're doing it now. <laughs> Let's move on to our review. Grand Theft Cosmos. The Doctor and Lucy visit 19th century Sweden and become embroiled in an attempt to steal the infamous Black Diamond. But the stone is guarded by forces not of this world. Dun, dun, dun! I quite enjoyed this one. Yeah, this one's a lot it's of an fun. Eddie Robson, it gets an automatic pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, fun because it's a good old-fashioned heist story, jewel yeah. heist story. And it's it's done in that vein and it's done in that I just fell in love with this the first time I listened to it. Well, and it's nice having some familiar characters back, too. So it was you, interesting to see Karen and the Headhunter yeah, return. Yeah, you didn't have to re-kind of re- introduce some new people to try to take up some time. You could <laughs> you could, and reintroduce them and just hit the ground running and keep going. Although I do, I did the Karen. She died. So did <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they have that little exchange about, I thought I left you dead. And, yeah, or I thought you were shot up by Cybermen. And she said, well, you just took off. And then I was like... Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe we didn't know she died, so True. apparently we yeah. will. It works. I think her and the headhunter have a really fun dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost as if if the master had a companion that he dragged around. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this this is kind of what I envisioned it would be like. Yeah, it is, it is a lot like that. In fact, it's almost the anti-doctor and companion is what it is, and it works. It works really well. You could have shot that robot any time. Why didn't you? I didn't want to hit you. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> and she bought it. 
I didn't have much on this one because really? it, it was just fun. I just I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I like the concept of a an artist from somewhere else that is creating these objects that the doctor has had to go through and pretty much destroy or disperse of because they have that energy or that that what do you call it uh, temporal something that, yeah. that it, it, it causes problems. And like the unravel reason, the fabric of the universe. Yeah, and unfortunately, because he's going through and getting rid of them, the objects that are still in existence become even more rare and more, and more sought after. <laughs> that and was so, one of my favorite yeah. parts of the whole thing. Um, so it's really nice that it turns around and gives us a story where the Doctor has to do a jewel heist, and it's part of already his MO of going through time and <laughs> snatching these items up anyway. And it kind of it harkened back to what was it, the seventh. Was it the eighth doctor that was stealing the paintings early on with Charlie too, talking about stealing art? Or was that seven? That sounds familiar. Wasn't seven that, wasn't like, with Charlie, so well, no, it was, no. I mean, just or am I thinking of seven stealing? Was that an eighth doctor and sto- Charlie story, or was that a seventh doctor? And I think like it was that? an eighth doctor story, but it then was, we got some reference in the seventh doctor with the book and the library that yeah. we went, oh, this is just a normal thing for you. Or there was a short story yeah, I think where it was you stole yeah. his art. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. But I, I want to say it was eight that was more focused on the art. So it makes me yeah. wonder if this is kind of a, a retcon type thing of, well, here's one, another reason if why. If it is, Tarnus Wiki doesn't call back to it or link the two, which doesn't necessarily mean something. But I had wondered if maybe this was something that had been hearkened to before and, and went to Tarnus Wiki and they didn't link or it. Or so. he thought of a story of, well, that kind of fits in MO <laughs> because of that other story. Um, I liked uh, um, the the... The guy has disappeared, and the reason he's disappeared is because he's inside of the diamond, the black diamond. <laughs> he's created a world that he could rule over, and he <laughs> decides. Well, I was, I was. I'm glad you got me out of there because I was going to come back to the. I'm thinking I was about get, coming I was back to bored. Reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you create a world where you're God, and you get bored of it, so you're ready to come back to the plane of reality. Okay. It's called Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, that com- I completely understand. <laughs> that was the moment that when you get a title, Grand Theft Cosmos, and you kind of go, huh, okay. And you start listening to it, and you go through, and it's this fun story, and there's trains, and blah, 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 blah. And then you get to the end, and they reveal that, oh, there's a, inside the jewel, there's this whole, and you went, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was the cherry for me. That was just the... <laughs> You made the title work. It wasn't just clever wordplay. It's yeah. it's really a yeah. This it's is set exactly up well it too with Karen on the train, and I love that it's on a train and it's a train heist first to start with, and then turns around and goes back to a train. But I like the fact that it's on a train and the guy that's procuring the item for the king. I can't remember his name, but when they come to him to tell him that it's been stolen. And he doesn't seem all too concerned because then he lets the doctor in. Well, they, they took the fake. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is so good because we've yeah. set this up. They've ended up with the wrong thing, so they're going to have to do it again. And and it does. It plays out that way. And that was a lot of fun, too, in order to then give us the situation where they have to figure out how to get into the castle's vault in order to get it. But now we have two sets of players because now we have uh, the doctor and Lucy who are countering with another plan to get in there and steal it first. Um, and I like having the race to try to get to it. And I liked the centrifuge with getting to Karen that gets to the one guard so that they can <laughs> hypnotize him. <laughs> and then uh, Cream Lucy, Lucy, who is cozying up to uh, the other guy to, to be able to get past him. And yeah. I thought that was kind of cool that their plans almost 
are parallels of each other with different means. And I thought that was kind of clever, too. I really like Lucy in this story. I, I think she, I know she's, no, grown, I, I, she's I, grown on me throughout the whole run. I agree. I did not like Lucy at first, and then just I can, she continues to become a wonderful and part of this. And he uses her really well yeah. in this. She, the, she uses all of her skills to the advantage of the Doctor and just a well usage of the character. Nothing out of character, either. Nothing that I thought, oh, she wouldn't do that. Yeah. And it's nice that they're getting along, too, because there was so much of that where the first series, they were bickering. And now that they're more chummy, I'm I'm enjoying that. Almost plays to her character more to be that kind of deceptive and and clever and and unique uh, person. So I think this this actually plays to her strength, this story. Yeah. Going back to the plan, I remember when the the (laughs) Dr. Mitt gets the TARDIS into the the vault vault. Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking that's cheating you're just gonna put it in the thing and and run off with it that's you know that's a that's a cheat and then later when one of the characters makes when uh, when she's running and the tardis shows up and she goes i think that's a cheat yeah (laughs) (laughs) but she says that you're cheating doctor (laughs) i was glad that they worked they reworked that around in the in the back end getting into the vault that they had to come up with something a little different Yeah. yeah um and then the surprise, the statue that just moves and walks <laughs> off. And th- there's no illusion. No, they've never alluded to this statue at all until the doctor says, did that statue just move? Did it just walk away? And you're like, where yeah, did this statue come from? The only other from? reference was the fact that it was in there in the vault. With right, them. right. Yeah. So wh- what's going on here? And then the, the statue actually being this guardian, which ends up being a, an essential part of the plot as well. And I thought, wow, what a late ad that pays off. You know, it's <laughs> like you find out about this statue later that ends up being the guardian that's looking over this world. I thought that was very clever, too. Well, and, and the fact that it kind of plays into even though. They weren't originally from further back where the mythology would have began. It's kind of feeds to that genie in a bottle idea, and then the golem guarding the bottle or whatever. Mm-hmm. That kind of whole motif carries forward to this, which works really well. Yeah. I'll be honest. When I, this is my second time through on this one, uh, and when it started up, kind of bloop, right off the bat, we're dropped in and we're in the middle of the adventure, and I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, I remember this, and then. Karen and the headhunter showed up and I had to stop and go wait when was the last time we heard of them and I got really concerned that you guys were going to maybe be lost <laughs> human <laughs> resources is where I, I honestly don't it. remember how long it's been back since we reviewed the headhunter's been a, 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 the headhunter's one, been around even longer much yeah. longer in fact there were there was instances where she was showing up ahead of time or too late yes. and then we finally but all that got, was before human right, resources then we kind of so got that, human yeah. resources that kind of flushed out her character more and introduced karen at that time that's why i was shocked when karen shows up and i'm like karen died i remember karen dying what how are you gonna get around this and then they have that little conversation and i went oh yeah i guess, <laughs> I guess we didn't know she was dead that works i i had the conversation jogged my memory because I was like, who's, who's Karen? Why does she recognize this person? It's supposed to be 18-something. Why would you recognize her? And then even after the first one, I was still trying to rack my brain trying to remember. And it wasn't until the second encounter where they talk about it more. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's her. All right. Yeah. See, the first time I listened to him, I the listened to him. was utilizing Karen in human yeah, resources. Much more, you know. And then I remembered that scene that we got of her, of, was it was the headhunter reviving her at 
Wasn't there an extra scene of that in? Was there? Because I didn't remember that. I think so at the end. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, I didn't end. remember that, and that's why I was thinking, okay, but she's back then. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was concerned that you guys were going to be like, who the hell are these people? <laughs> no, I knew exactly who they were. So then I was like, why do I wait so long to schedule Ace Doctor stuff? <laughs> Because Paul McGann is so awesome. Uh, he's top form in this one, oh, too. Oh, as always. I mean, it's just... It, this, <clears throat> I, I, I said this was tailor-made for Lucy, but it's also tailor-made for the elements that I like about the Eighth Doctor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're not doing dark, brooding, scary Eighth Doctor, when you're doing Eighth Doctor that you're more familiar with from like the TV film or even a lot of the uh, early uh, Eighth Doctor uh, stories that we've already done... When you when he when he doing that, you're playing to the doc, the eighth doctor's strength, and I really really enjoy that. So. Yeah, I think that's another reason why I've really enjoyed the eighth doctor series in general. Is I, I feel like it's much more in early life, doctor. Maybe. Yeah, even though they're set after Charlie, but I just they feel early doctor versus Zagreus or some of the other ones. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a very different doctor, and I I like both doctors, but kind of prefer the fun one. I just uh, well, it's kind of like the um, what was it, Max Warp, where they're doing the the, the Top Gear rip, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 he's just giddy because look at spaceships <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, yep. and Lucy's, yeah, 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 and they have a similar exchange here where she's like, oh, you're a train spotter, aren't yep. you? Probably got a book, don't you? You keep track of stuff, and he makes some flippant comment about, well, yeah, well, she's he's she's more chiding him too, yeah. and then he he plays into it because it's well, yeah, but and it was like <laughs> like catch her off guard there because you think she's just kind of trying to be coy and, and chide you a little bit yeah. and suddenly yeah but, i do <laughs> what i love about both of those exchanges is the eighth doctor is so unapologetic about being excited yeah. over that's oh, like yeah. 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 yeah and then they go off and do something and it's just i agree with you that's the, the that's the, the biggest strength of the eighth doctor and i think it's very frustrating when they try and take that away from him yeah <laughs> oh he's got memory loss oh really terrence we're gonna go <laughs> okay I'm still upset with that. <laughs> Sorry. I still do like the when when he does go darker. It's just because Paul McGann's voice is so commanding and yeah. it gives you chills just hearing him be darker like that. Well, and I think that's what makes the switch so so powerful. Yeah, I think is so when you too. get used to happy go lucky, these shoes are wonderful, doctor. To hear and him then he gets angry. That. Yeah. It's kind of like Molly Weasley. You know, she's yeah. happy and then she gets scary when she's mad. They doctors the same way. Yeah, that's why. That's why I think I like that versus the oh, we're gonna make him brooding for a while, and then he gets scary, and it's like, well, the scary part's cool, but the brooding is eh. yeah, yeah. I think it's an attempt at transition though, so that it's not turn it on and turn it off. Uh, but I don't know that it's even necessary with the Eighth Doctor. I, I think, think you so. can. I think you can do it where you turn it on and on, turn it I off. I think again. for the Seventh Doctor, it was necessary to have that kind of gradual transition to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But not with Eight. Yeah. Because look at... Uh, but the, the the Seventh Doctor, the darkness of the Seventh Doctor and the darkness of the Eighth Doctor are, are starkly different. They are very different. And so yes. I think that it works for the Seventh Doctor because it's almost like you're unraveling the character of the Seventh Doctor and realizing that he's always been this manipulative dark person. He's just been able to hide it well. Whereas I think it's in, with the Eighth Doctor, I think it's circumstance that has developed his darkness. Yeah, and I so I, I, I think it's starkly different. But you're right. It works with the Seventh Doctor in the transition because you're unraveling layers. And, and that, that Doctor is more of a mysterious Doctor. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Eighth Doctor, when, you, when you're 
bringing it down to it, it's almost as as Sean was alluding. You go through that brooding period, and it almost feels like okay, let's can we get past this? Can we either get back to Happy Go Lucky Doctor or or go somewhere with this? And so yeah, I, I think that's why it feels like it doesn't work as well for the Eighth Doctor as it does for the Seventh yeah. Doctor. I think the trick with the brooding is that every time I listen to a Paul McGann audio, I'm brooding that we didn't get more of him. <laughs> So I don't want him to be brooding while I'm brooding. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the brooding comes in. Because <laughs> I'm such on a, I'm on such an emotional high listening, and then it ends, and it's like, oh, I didn't you only get one movie and one miniseries? <laughs> I get to the end and go, thank goodness for Big Finish. Yes. Thank you for more. Thank you, Big Finish. Here, here. <laughs> yeah. Once again, high marks. Should we move on? I'm looking forward to the next story next week. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, let's move on with the comics. With a twist. With a twist. <laughs> the a doc- real twist. The, vo- the doctor visits the planet Twist, a colony with the best punk scene on this side of the 30th century. But something is amiss when a murder mystery occurs, leading the doctor and its planet inhabitants to question their very origins. That's worded kind of weirdly. Makes it sound like the doctor is questioning his own origins. This is a story where I figured it out way early on, but enjoyed the ride. So I would concur. I was I would concur with too that too. disappointed with the fact that it was predictable, because the story itself was enjoyable to get to the point where the big reveal happens, and it doesn't hurt that I really like uh, Hattie. Is that uh, her name? Yeah. I really like the companion Hattie. Uh, she's a, a nice brush of fresh air. She's different. She's she's a bit of Ace and Martha rolled into one for me. She's you know she's very punk because she's part of this band and and which I didn't think at first was going to gel with the Twelfth Doctor. And the reason I say that is it's it's odd because I know that Peter Capaldi is was a punk musician at one time. He and Craig. Ferguson. Ferguson. We're in a band again. <laughs> I kept wanting to say Killboard, and my and, brain was going, no. And <laughs> no, I have always born. been okay with the 12th Doctor being a musical doctor. and But I don't see the 12th Doctor being a punk musician. I see him being a musician, and I see Capaldi being a fan of punk music. But I, don't see, I see the two blending nicely, not necessarily being something that the 12th Doctor listens to. And so I was a little concerned by that. But... The Twelfth Doctor doesn't get all fanboy in this. While he does have all of this group's records and listen to them, he doesn't get into that whole... He doesn't get too wrapped up in the idea of being here, listening to them, and get fanboyish. So this works really well because it goes along lines of this Doctor who appreciates all music punk rock you know uh, you know with it still within a certain he's level. a fan but he's still detached about yes, being yes, a fan exactly yeah. well and it's nice too that hattie is as far as i'm aware not based off anybody yes unlike jones jones who was an obvious takeoff bowie and so it's nice that this is kind of it connects in that aspect of characters because they're both musicians but it's nice that it's a different approach to mm-hmm. it Agreed. whereas I know we've had kind of issue with some of the comics of it them being some things being too similar throughout all the lines, and this helps connect them but differentiate them starkly. I would think. Yeah, agreed. I got to be honest. The comic started with the previously 
The Doctor and Claire Oswald saved the universe together for the last time. Now traveling alone. And I went, what? Because we just read these other ones, and it felt like we were being set up for more. And I had to stop and go, well, apparently that was where the... That was where the switchover happened, and so, okay. <laughs> so I had to reverse gears right off the bat, and I think that may have stuttered me a little bit getting into the story, because like you, it was like, what is this punk scene? Why is the doctor hanging out here? And it kind of took me a minute to go, no, that still fits. That's that's very much in the 12th. This maybe. felt very much to me more like, and I, I think it's, it's purposely so, because I think titan finally decided okay we've got to put the clara story because even the clara stories in the comics were coming to us after clara had already left the doctor so we were getting a lot of story that was that had happened prior to series eight nine nine Nine. and so or 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 during during. yeah uh as well and so this one almost had a feeling of when with clara being gone it felt a lot more like um husband's river song or or uh return to doctor uh, mysterio where we do have a doctor who feels like he's tra- been traveling on his own and so uh, to me it was odd to have that oh we have stepped away from traveling with clara but mm-hmm. it was weird that it was it was that break of okay well this is now set far after the events that we know and to me it, it felt like oh this is almost more like new Who because it is set in that gap it's filling. It's truly stepping in and filling the void. While we're getting Doctor Who and the other comics, whenever it's a current companion, like when we were in between series eight and nine, when we were reading comics and they had those comics set there, it felt like oh, we're getting new Who as opposed to stories that happened previously. Right, right. right. That's what this feels it like. It really to me feels, like new, it feels like new yeah. Who. It feels like new Who because I agree with completely you. new. There's no limitations on what they can do with Hattie and the Doctor. I mean, to some extent. I mean, obviously they can't regenerate him or anything like that. But there's no, there's the shackles are off once you ditch the television companion. While ten and eleven have their endpoints where they got to get to by the next time they show up for the next companion, there is this here, but there's much more wiggle room, even mm-hmm. more so because we don't know where, what that endpoint's going to be, and neither does Titan. I'm assuming. They might have some idea, but who knows how long Capaldi's going to be sticking around, too. So, I mean, there's, there's, it just opens up the world so much more. It makes me more excited, and I think that's partially why I enjoyed all five of these issues so much. is because it felt so fresh. Twelve with a new companion. I liked the twist. It seemed very Star Trek, but it was really cool. It sort of makes you appreciate... A year off with Doctor Who because now yeah. there's a breadth of stuff that can uh, fit within that area and the Titan comics can do that now yeah. and and you know kind of have some elbow room and stretch their legs and their arms and be able to as you're saying do something fresh and new with the Doctor so I agree so what do we think about the foxes I, I kind of liked it what does a fox say <laughs> <laughs> lots apparently according to this <laughs> That was another thing. While I felt that it was very predictable, I, I had I feel like I got the what. I just didn't get the how and why. And that's what the story fills in for you. And I was quite surprised. I knew that the foxes weren't necessarily the bad guys, that it was a underground group. What I didn't expect and quite liked was the fact that it was the foxes that had evolved and revived the human colony, which I thought was a very clever twist, too. So, Was there a little worry on your part about an anthropomorphized monster? 
until uh, we got to that reveal that they were actual foxes. Necessarily, because I was giving the story the benefit of the doubt okay. until then. Had had it got to the end and they were, that's just, and it's the same thing with any Doctor Who story that has anthropomorphized uh, elements, creatures, monsters, whatever. I have to give it to the benefit of the doubt until the end, and then I'm upset that they used an anthropomorphism. <laughs> so in this one, it wasn't a, they showed up and I thought, oh, great, here we go again. It was a, okay, why are these guys foxes? And then it, it, it pays off, so. I'm always worried foxes. for him. <laughs> like, I read them and go, oh, Glenn's going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> you presume too much. I do. I presume a lot. Dr. Livingston, I presume. I know normally we don't tend to touch on it but i think the artwork in this is phenomenal the artwork from the beginning of year two has been uh, very yeah, very good yeah but for some reason this just stands out to me as even better i think capaldi or 12 looks pretty much fantastic in every single panel and he's in there's never a, an instance where i think well that doesn't quite, doesn't quite look at like him every single one looks phenomenal for capaldi like so a lot of year one, I felt like didn't really capture his face very well and his expressions, but this one maybe having a second season under their belt to well, to does pull it, video from. Or, does it help now too that they don't have to focus on making everybody look like their counterpart on the TV series? Well, that's now true. it's just just him. the twelfth Doctor they and have then to do. Just have to keep consistency with non with with original characters. Sure. Yeah, and that, that very well could be. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you, Keith. I think he really looks... I'm, I'm paging through this going, Capaldi, Capaldi, well, and, Capaldi. And they all look like Capaldi. Like his mouth looks fine in previous stuff, but the eyebrows never seemed quite right. Yeah. They were never quite severe enough, or they were or, uh, comically A little severe. too wispy. Yeah. And these are just right on. Every single time. Or the wrong time. color. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that was the one. They were really big and thick and bushy, but they were blonde or something. It was like, hey, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And I, one of the things that I think helps this story is the fact that it's only three issues. Had it been stretched out to four, kind of like the Sea Devil part, it would have uh, lessened its quality for me. But the fact that they did it, and it kind of harkens to Ark in Space, and that's one of my all-time favorite classics stories. So <laughs> anytime you can make me feel a little nostalgia for something like that, uh, you're going to win points in my book. On the next story, it moves away from the style of art, but it still managed to capture yeah. Capaldi as the doctor. And looking uh, ahead, the artwork for the next chunk, at least the first issue, is starkly different, but still the high quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what do we think about the second story? The haunted house that's not really haunted. My only issue with it is I felt the Doctor was too slow on the uptake the fact that it was a TARDIS. I figured it out, like, way early on. I didn't necessarily figure it out, but I had suspected. I think the problem that I had with this two-part story is it drags. It's very slow moving. There's not a lot going on. They try to invoke the mystery novel haunted house idea trope and move it along way too slowly, in my opinion. Yeah, there um, is quite a bit of slow movement as they're trying to figure out what's going on. Yes, yes. Which is weird, too, because as the Doctor and Hattie are exploring the house, I almost felt like it was choppy. Like I had to go back a couple of times and make sure that I was tracking with this happen in the uh, in the order in which I thought it did. You know, <laughs> we, we just jumped from one room to the next. Yeah. The biggest issue that I had with this story, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, And I have to speak carefully because I don't want to potentially spoil Keith on something that maybe he already knows, maybe he doesn't. 
I agree. I keyed on the fact that this was a TARDIS right off the bat. But then there's a dropped line from the mom later in the story that made me think it was a specific TARDIS. And I kind of went, ooh, and got excited. Because that's what I thought. I did think it was going to be the Master's because TARDIS. Of the grandfather clock. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember if you knew that or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, there was a couple that I've seen that he had the grandfather okay. clock. Okay. Uh, well, then they make a big deal uh, about it. The King's clock is. Yeah. The, the clock is chiming and it's warning oh, and the, yeah. you know the, there's there's a lot of visual references to the clock throughout the story that really made me wonder okay how are you going to tie this up and it's not it's just a TARDIS which works out fine for the story but it 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 hampered my ability to believe that the doctor wasn't putting two and two together and of course I'm yeah. just fanboy leaping at this but <laughs> <laughs> well and the fact that like they Despite all the rooms they went through and can't get out of, the fact that they then go through a door and it's a garden and they're still inside, well, they're the doctor running, should have known. They're running, even through, they're running through a street at one time, a parking lot at one yeah. time, too, I remember. There was one point where Hattie says something of, we were just outside, how could we still be in the house when we're outside? Yeah. That should have keyed off the doctor yeah. way early on. I would agree. I do have to say, I did, on a personal level, squee quite a bit on that first the big page panel where they meet the mom for the first time just because there's a little tiny kiwi (laughs) (laughs) i saw that down there too (laughs) just pumped and then moved on i did get echoes of invasion of time when when they're running through the different rooms and just it's throwing everything we've got at it and it's like oh okay cool you know what the story feels like to me is it's hide and journey to the sin on the tardis mushed together yeah i can see that yeah I'd buy that. Especially with all the ghost stuff. Yep. Um, so what, this is like the 17th different iteration <laughs> of uh, creatures that show up when they're trying to stop paradoxes and stuff. I like the uh, determination of the mother, too. <laughs> Nothing's going to yes. keep me from my husband and kids. And she kicks that uh, wall in. Yeah. <laughs> that was neat. Gives kind of a, a, a strong mother instinct and a strong moment for the character. I thought that was good. And then the fact that the kids are the ones that have explored the house and they can then take you to where you need to go. Yep. Yeah, it was okay. I didn't. Uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it as well as the first three. But we got to the, you know, oh, it's through this door. It's in here, and we walk into the control room. And I looked at it and went, "Well, that's not the master's TARDIS." <laughs> well, the Ronnies. I am so disappointed now, <laughs> and it's unfortunate because it's a beautiful two-page spread of this inside that looks actually a lot like Capaldi's TARDIS. A little bit. It's his console room in a way, kind of a mix More between industrial. It, it's it's his console with almost the eleventh Doctor's multi-level um, yeah. setup. But. And the spiralites were returning right from a previous story in year one. Am I correct with that? Hadn't we seen those before? I don't remember them at he, all. He he made he told us what they were when he let them in, and it's something about them sounded very familiar. It sounded I mean, familiar. It I don't me know that it was too, but yeah. coming in and fixing or you know changing things or or, or or I should say uh, feasting on the damages in time. It was quite interesting that he let them in knowing how dangerous they are but was a device to f- so he they, he could follow them and track down where they were going to feed on this temporal energy so I thought that was kind of clever. Well, I, I like the salt aspect being brought into it too. Yeah, yeah. Which seemed I don't know random at the time that it was just oh they're susceptible to that okay all right. <laughs> Well, aren't did they, I miss uh, something where they explain that? They, well, they did. He he described them as phosphorus-based or something, that the sodium and the salt would affect them. 
Uh, he, he, yeah. he gave the and this is why it'd be the worst companion in, in ever. Turn, I didn't make that connection. In turn, what it did was it gave credence to the uh, the salt, the for salt yeah for ghosts, which I kind of thought Image of the Fendal did well, <laughs> but we did it again here. So, according to Tardis Wiki, the Spiralites were only in this one. Okay, I thought we had been introduced to them before. As old as Panerite had, he didn't uh, decide to stick around. Yeah, I was kind of surprised they dropped her off. Well, who knows? I mean, she could show back up. Well, we it's don't. True. We haven't seen ahead, but um, it might be an instance of now that Titan has this room to breathe, maybe they want to bring on several different companions and kind yeah. of try different things out with the Twelfth Doctor. But I agree. I was kind of sad to see her go, but hopeful that he'll pick her up again sometime. Because they well, the, they left it kind of with a, well, I could be back for you, maybe. Especially with that, the end for now. Yeah. At the yeah. Very end. But, yeah. And again, the Doctor says I'm completely anachronistic with, oh, I can't take you with me all the time because you've got albums to write. And it's like, time machine. Yeah, you just <laughs> dropped her off five minutes before she left. <laughs> As you promised you were going to. Yep. <laughs> then maybe you run into the Amy and Rory problem. of We're starting to age significantly more than our friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. It was, it, it was, these were good stories. They just, I don't think they were great stories. Did the disposing of the other TARDIS sit okay with you guys? I think it was respectfully done, I thought. I agree. Taking it to some place where it could just completely expand. I guess I just thought of that story we listened to where there was that graveyard that all of them go to after they die. Then I thought of, well, why didn't he take it there? Well, we've even had the instance of Trenzalore is also a burial planet for TARDISes, but they do the same thing there. Well, I guess that's true. It was just Because that's where he falls. But his is expanding as well because of the fact that... uh, I don't know. I I just... Are are you talking about the, uh, the Doctor's Wife? With house no, and the uh, no, there it was, it was, it was yeah, an it was audio? an audio story we did recently that that talked about uh, oh, a TARDIS graveyard. Yeah, once and he had to sneak sneak down there and steal one. Can't remember what one that was. I know I know vaguely what you're talking about, but I can't remember which one it was either. I just thought of that when they disposed maybe because it was leaking the insides out that it couldn't go down there. I don't know. Possibly. Or uh, was it, I also uh, tried to were f- we thinking of Engines of War where he goes down underneath the planet? I think that is it. Okay. Yeah. Which is George Mann, which yes. who wrote this. Okay. So. Wow. <laughs> or at least wrote, so I, he might have wrote, yeah, he wrote this one. Yeah, yeah he did write this. So maybe and maybe the fact that it's leaking, or I also kind of chalked it up to, well, uh, maybe he can't easily access Gallifrey, so this is the next best thing. Yeah, yeah. Because at this point, it would he, be, he, he wouldn't know where it, it was. Well, no, he does know where, yeah. yeah, he does know where it's at, but you're right, he would have to deliver it there, I suppose. Overall, <laughs> though, good. <laughs> It's still enjoyable. Yep. Still looking forward to more uh, 12th Doctor finishing off season two. Right. Or a s- year two. Year two. Not necessarily a season. All right. Well, Sean, what do we have coming up on the schedule? Well, we have a change coming up on the schedule, um, but not the one you were expecting. <laughs> uh, no, that doesn't really work. Change really expecting. I don't know. Should we be making that change? <laughs> Something with Power of the Daleks, probably. <laughs> Oh, dear, yes. <laughs> well, that is a change. <laughs> We've got Power of the Daleks on the schedule, and everybody at home's going, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll believe it when you review it. <laughs> Next week, coming up for Friday Night Who, we're doing the two-part Zygon Invasion, Zygon Inversion with Peter Capaldi. 
which sets us up nicely for our adversary archive on the Zygons. We will be listening to the Big Finish 8th Doctor Adventure Season 2 number 6 story, The Zygon Who Fell to Earth. And then we will step outside the world of Doctor Who proper for a look at the professionally produced fan film, Zygon When Being You Just Isn't Enough. And another note... (laughs) That film does contain mature content and situations. We haven't stressed that enough. We really want to drive that home. We're probably building it up way more than it needs to be. No, I just watched it. It's not for kids. Not for kids. It may not be for some (laughs) (laughs) grown-ups. The following week for Friday Night Who, we're doing The Gunfighters with William Hartnell. And obviously, if you're new to the podcast and you haven't heard this, maybe we haven't said this recently, on any of the Friday Night Whos, we just get together at midnight, we pop in an episode, and we push play at midnight, and you're welcome to join us. Jump on Twitter, follow the hashtag Friday Night Who, and then whatever episode title, and it's a tweet along. You just, you know, we make comments, and we have a lot of fun, and it's very enjoyable. Um, But uh, so February 3rd is The Gunfighters with William Hartnell which we've already reviewed on the podcast. So then instead, during the show that week, we will be doing the new Lethbridge-Stewart title, Mind of Stone. And then The Christmas Files, which has the short stories that we haven't looked at yet. So some more uh, candy jar books goodness there. And then the following week is episodes one through three of Power of the Daleks for Friday Night Who, because it's a six-parter, so we're breaking that one up. And did we decide? We decided that uh, you get to choose which version you watch, the black and white or the color, because it won't matter timing-wise. There you go. So whichever version, if you bought the DVD that week when it comes out, or the previous week when it comes out, uh, just whichever one you want to watch, that's the one we'll be watching. Or if you have the digital copies. Just don't be concerned if you see people making comments on Twitter about, I love the color in this, and you're like, why is mine black and white? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then... That week, because it's a two-parter, for the show, we were going to move ahead with 12th Doctor. This is where that change comes in uh, with the Titan Comics. Well, Keith let me know that I goofed and that they weren't quite ready for us to do that yet. Titan yeah, I didn't get a chance them. to call you out on something. Yeah. <laughs> so Keith gets one. Yay! Uh, but instead, we're going to finish off the 11th Doctor Series 2. So it's issues 11 through 15 with the 11th Doctor and Alice. And I'll have to go back and remember where we were at in that story. Absalom. Oh, yeah. Absalom and River. and mm-hmm. that was the yeah, We were enjoying that one. Uh, and we will also tackle a big finish fourth Doctor audio adventure from Season 2, uh, number five, Phantoms of the Deep. And then the following week, we'll finish off Power of the Daleks and finally take a kind of a big in-depth look at that story. And we've decided we're not going to treat this as a lost in time segment of our show where we kind of delve into the retcons and, or the recons and everything, although there could be some retconning. Um, <laughs> but we'll be looking at more of the animation, the color version. And then there's also a, a fan-mounted film version. Who was the, the mastermind behind that? You mentioned him last week well, off mic, and I don't that, remember now. I said that Barnaby Edwards plays the Doctor, and that is not true. Barnaby Edwards is in the show, is in the movie, is in the film. Saul... I can't remember the actor's name. There's another person. Uh, no, oh. it's actually called uh, the power of the. Do- it's called Power of the Daleks Reimagined, and what it was is it's a alternate universe story, utilizing the story Power of the Daleks, but putting a different Doctor with a different spin on it. Okay. So that'll be uh, part of that as well. It will be very difficult for anyone to get this if you do not already have a copy. Um, this was a film that was made to be the proceeds for it were going to go to i think children's cancer research 
or or some charity had has since been pulled from YouTube and is very very hard to find now. So there is a chance that they may have gotten in trouble by the BBC that they couldn't get around and so it's not available so it'll be it will be difficult for people to find. So there you have that. It's what we in the electrical business call rare. It's a Patriot Games joke for those of you that didn't get it. Uh, and then one more. Uh, the following week is David Tennant in New Earth for Friday Night Who with the Cat People. And then our podcast has another change that week where we're going to do the 10th Doctor uh, Series 2 comics. But he had a couple of extra issues tacked on. So we're going to do 11 through 17. So it's a little bit bigger chunk of reading for that week. And then uh, and it's big- supposed to be a big two part epic finale. So big they couldn't finish it in 15 we inches. Couldn't finish I it in 15 finish inches. Had to have the extra. I bet Anubis is back. <laughs> He's the 10th Doctor Baddie, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then big finish mainline story number 82, The Settling. And all these changes are listed on the website if you like to follow along and are curious about what's coming up. Nick Sto- Scoval. Sorry, that's who played the Doctor. Who? Nick Scoval played the Nick Doctor. Nick Scoval. Uh, it does feature Barnaby Edwards, Nick Briggs, and Lisa Bowerman. Ooh, excellente. So there's that, and if uh, you have any questions, you can go to the website for more information there. You know what else they can do on the website, Glenn? They can support us on Patreon. Yay! And, uh, if you'd like to do that, you can go to our website, and on the right-hand side of the page, there is a link to support us, and if you're already supporting us, we appreciate it. You can also click through some of our sponsors, and portions of that proceed, those proceeds go back into this show. Which we appreciate very much. Yes, we do. Was that going to do it for this week? I believe so. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing ya. Thanks for listening. listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.